from Ontic Mind. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, treating geographic atrophy. We are very excited for potentially having a treatment option for patients. As you know, is a leading cause of the loss of vision. Currently, there are no treatments available. When a patient presents to me with non-exudative macular degeneration, I explain that he or she has the less serious manifestation of the disease. However, if the non-exudative macular degeneration progresses to geographic atrophy, this is little comfort. Indeed, the situation is even more frustrating because there are no medications to treat geographic atrophy. That situation may change as a new medication is undergoing clinical trial for the treatment of geographic atrophy. My guest today, Koros Rezai, is an investigator in the clinical efficacy of this medication, and I'm happy to welcome him as my guest today. In order to provide context for your work, we need to speak about the natural history and pathogenesis of AMD. Can I get you to describe the natural history and particularly the part that geographic atrophy plays? Sure. So age-related macular degeneration is the leading cause of loss of vision in the industrialized world. And basically, it's an aging process in the back of the eye, in the retina, and usually it starts it's becoming starting at earlier and earlier ages. Now we enroll patients in clinical trials at the age of 50. And many times, if you live long enough, the end stage of the disease potentially can be geographic atrophy. And what geographic atrophy is, is basically the death of retinal tissue. You have the death of chorea capillaris, retinal pigment epithelium, and photoreceptors, basically. And what ends up happening, as many of you know, you start having drusen, RPE changes. These are the earlier stages of the disease. And if you live again long enough, you get geographic atrophy. Now, there may be, we used to divide age-related macular degeneration into the wet and the dry form. But what ends up happening is what has been shown over history of the disease that many times when you develop the wet macular degeneration, Still, the main reason why people do not see well long-term is because these patients still develop geographic atrophy. So wet AMD is pretty much a detour, but the final destination for many of the patients is geographic atrophy. Currently, as you know, we have treatment options available for patients with wet AMD, which is the anti-VEGF treatment. However, we do not have any treatments available for patients with geographic atrophy. And unfortunately, Basically, it's a one-way street, and if you live long enough, unfortunately, many times you may end up with getting geographic atrophy. Now, it would be, of course, ridiculous for me to ask you to describe the pathogenesis of AMD because it's incompletely understood. But let me at least ask you to describe the contribution of the complement cascade to the pathogenesis of AMD. That's a great question. And you know, the foundation for the role of complementing AMD, I believe it's based on three factors. The first one are the very important genetic association studies, where I'm sure you're aware, and they were published in around 2005 and continue to grow, which indicated that in individuals who are homozygote, for the risk allele, the likelihood of the getting macular degeneration increases by a factor of 7.4. And the way it works is, 
in, it is this, uh, uh, it is described that generally you have this um, uh, complement system working in background, so you have activation and suppression. But if the suppression doesn't work very well over time, and that is maybe something happening with age, that the activation may take over and continue damage. The second part is some of the in vitro studies that have looked at the role of complement activation on RPE cells and retinal pigment epithelial cells. And the third is when you do post-mortem histology of the eyes of patients with AMD. When you look at them and you can see the position of complement in drusen instead of RPE cells. Now the big question becomes, okay, now you have, when you examine these patients clinically in the office, what do we see? We see retinal degeneration in geographic atrophy, retinal degeneration, RPE death, photoreceptor death, choriocapillaris. And now you have complement. Now, how does complement kill the cells? What is the pathomechanism of killing through complement pathway? And generally, it is through C5. You know, complement cascade is a very complex system with over 40, 50 different proteins in it. And many of us who are pro practice don't even remember all the details. This was something you learned at the early on in the medical school. But what ends up happening is all these factors coagulate at the end effect. The end effect is activation of C5. What does C5, when it's activated, what happens? You get C5A, which is involved in inflammasome activation, which leads to cell death, or C5B, which is membrane attack complex formation and, again, cell death. Now, this is everywhere in the body. It's not only in the eye. But when, again, you look specifically, it was looked at in RPE cells or retinal pigment epithelial cells in culture, it has been shown that both C5A and C5B lead to cell death in culture. And that is where the whole connection comes that if you have complement, you have AMD and cell death, what is the link? And we believe it potentially could be C5. And that is why the drug that was studied, and as you pointed out in the publication, what it did was Zimura blocks the cleavage of C5, preventing the formation of C5A and C5B. Basically, you prevent that last step from happening. The genetic links that you mentioned are, the, 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 the genetic risk factors are genes that deal with complement regulation. Is that correct? Yes, it's usually in association with generally with complement factor H, and we have a polymorphism in there that generally can lead. You know, complement factor H suppresses complement activation, and if that doesn't work, then that can contribute to. Um, then you have an overactivation. The assumption is that then you're going to have overactivation of complement, and when that happens, the odds of getting macular degeneration increases. Now, of course, you're going to have to help me with with this this name here. What what is avacincaptad? Pegol. Did I, how, how, how close did I get to, to, to that? How, how do you say it? We did perfect. <laughs> I don't need to repeat it. <laughs> uh, and and how, how does it work? So, so, so you mentioned it, it briefly. Can I get you to sort of flesh out uh, what, what the drug does? Yeah, so the, uh, the generic name is, as you said, is Avacincaptad Pegol. The brand name is Zimura, which is a lot easier to pronounce. So let's continue with using the word Zimura. And it's an RNA aptomer. And what it does is, Again, it's a, the treatment, the way it's applied is an intravitreal injection. So you inject it into the eye, very similar to what you do with anti-VEGF injections. And the, the, what the drug does is it blocks the cleavage of C5 from being cleaved into C5A and C5B. So you're not going to have C5A and C5B that do the killing 
at the bottom of the pathway in complement. And, and it's and it's C5A and C5B that are the sort of activation for both the classical complement pathway and the alternative complement pathway. Well, as you just pointed out, the alternative or classic pathway are all above. You know, you have these yeah. different three different pathways, but they all merge to building C3 and then C5, and then C5 is the one that actually does the killing of the cell. And then that lasso, it makes it, one of the beauties of blocking downstream is that it doesn't really matter how the complement is activated, the end effect is prevented, and that's the uh idea. And so it was the and and the branch point was it was at c3 you see i've been out of medical school probably longer than you have um, can i get you to describe the design of your study sure so we had the the the, the, the study that was published the gather one clinical trial um was a a phase two three screening trial which means that the trial is designed as a phase three trial, but with less number of patients. It has all the bells and whistles of a phase three. It's double mask, randomized, sham control trial, pretty robust, pre-specified statistical analysis plan. Everything is in there like a phase three, but less patients. And the advantage, um, the way the screening trial design works is as the following. You have three potential outcomes. One, the drug barely works, and then you don't move forward. One, the drug does work, but does not reach statistical significance. And then you have to do two additional trials. Or the third option is that the drug actually reaches statistical significance with a small sample size you already have. If that is the case, then your trial can potentially count as a pivotal trial. And as you know, the Zimura, Zimura 2 milligram and Zimura 4 milligram reached statistical significance when they were compared to the sham arm. What were the inclusion criteria for the study and, and what were the main outcome measures? So the inclusion criteria usually you need to have, you need to have geographic atrophy, there are certain size that you need to have, uh, and then the, one of the key components was that the, um, the fovea, which is the center of your vision, should not be uh, involved. At the time when this was designed, we were thinking that if well, the center of the phobia is involved, you do not want to have the patients go through the trial for two years because the whole point is preventing that from happening. But what actually turned out to be from natural history studies later on and other trials, what has been shown is that if you're extra foveal, the lesion grows much faster and the disease is much more aggressive, which indicated that the, we actually pre-selected some of more aggressive, faster growing lesions and still able to show that we have significant decrease in growth. Now, the great question you asked is the endpoint. What is the primary efficacy endpoint? And the primary efficacy endpoint was and uh, was a mean rate of change in uh, autofluorescence. And you know these the geographic atrophy can be measured very accurately, pretty accurately with the fundus autofluorescence camera, which gives you an area of this atrophy, and then. What the regulatory agency wants is that over this region, you will measure it at baseline, then you measure it at month six, then you measure it at month 12. You need to measure it at three time points. And then you have to show a significant decrease in growth over 12 months. And this is obviously all done by an independent reading center. You know, the images are done, go to them, they do all the measurements in a mass fashion. And then they look at the sham arm, they look at the treatment arm and see whether the sham arm grows faster 
than the treatment arm. And then what the trial result basically showed was it met the primary, the primary efficacy endpoint by significantly reducing the growth of the fundus autofluorescence area over three time points over 12 months. So what, what, what were your, your results? What, what were your findings for the two milligram group and, and for the four milligram group? So both of them basically showed somewhere around 27% reduction in growth. And when you look at the statistical um, significance, they were highly statistically significant. You know, for the two milligram uh, arm was 0 0.0072. And for the four milligram arm was 0 0.0051. So these are really highly statistically significant over 12 months. And the amount of reduction was somewhere around 27% reduction for both two milligram and four milligram. What adverse events were observed? You know, when we look at the, uh, the generally, the Zimura was well tolerated over 12 months. There were no Zimura related adverse events, no Zimura related inflammation, no serious ocular adverse events. Most of the uh, reported ocular adverse events were related to the injection procedure. Uh, also, the incidence of uh, CNV in this trial, they were around 3.5% in the fellow eye. At month 12, it was around 2.7% in the sham arm, uh, around 4% um, for the 1 milligram arm, 9% for the 2 milligram arm, and 9.6% for the 4 milligram arm. Now, since you are using an agent that, uh, in a sense, downregulates some of the complement pathway. And since the complement pathway uh, is itself part of uh, the, the immune system, um, how concerned were you with endophthalmitis in these patients? And was this something that you observed? That is a great question. So one of the advantages we believe at this stage, at least, potentially is that because we block at the level of C5, we leave C3 intact. So the opsonization and so forth, still the complement still functioning all the way through C3 and the opsonization component, and those are staying in, intact. So, and obviously the endophthalmitis race was monitored very closely and we had zero endophthalmitis in this trial. Now you found a 27.4 to 27.8% reduction, I think one of them was the four milligram, one was the, excuse me, one was the two milligram, one was the four milligram, reduction in the growth rate of geographic atrophy over 12 months. And that, that sounds great, but how clinically meaningful is this degree of reduction? That is a, again, uh, you ask excellent questions. The, you know, from a regulatory perspective, uh, anytime you can slow down the growth over, the, basically you're slowing down or, or preventing the um, death of photoreceptors uh, uh, over three time points that is statistically significant is from the regular perspective is assumed to be clinically significant, uh, meaningful. I can tell you from a general perspective, you have a disease that with time continues to grow and at some point is gonna hit the center of your fovea. If you can slow that down by any rate that is significant, and the reason it is important to use the word significant is because you just want to make sure it's not by chance that the drug is actually doing something. But any drug that slows down this progression, I believe it is uh, meaningful. It is very similar, I can tell you, from glaucoma, for example. When you treat these patients, you know, if you continue monitoring, you know at some point the, the optic nerve is going to get cupped and they're going to lose all their vision. 
So the key is to prevent and slow down that cupping. And you know, you're not gonna wait to lose half of the vision before you start treating. As soon as you diagnose it, you start treating because the earlier you treat, the more you will be saving. And that is again, the very important part. And again, we need to do, I think a lot of educating in the, in the, in the retina field because again, we are, many times when you don't have a treatment for a disease, people are not paying as much attention to it. But again, it's critical that it's treated the sooner the better because you want to prevent these scotomas and these lesions from growing and getting bigger. Of course, what are the next steps for the GATHER2 study? What, what, what is the GATHER2 study and then what are its, its next steps? So again, since the GATHER1 hit the statistical significance, we believe that it potentially can count as one of the two pivotal trials required for registration. So we need to do a confirmatory trial, which is the GATHER2 trial that is currently ongoing. And basically looking the Zimura 2 milligram and 4 milligram, as I said, had a very similar efficacy. Zimura 2 milligram was a single injection. Zimura 4 milligram was two injections. Therefore, in the GATHER2, we are just looking at Zimura 2 milligram versus sham. And the, primary, and the primary endpoint is very similar, measuring the growth of the lesion over 12 months at three time points. Obviously, we are very excited for potentially having a, a, a treatment option for patients. As you know, is a leading cause of loss of vision. Currently, there are no treatments available. We are very excited about the results of the first pivotal trial and now looking to confirm that in the second trial and uh, hopefully getting a step closer to potentially bringing something to patients who do not have any options available to them. Of course, this is great stuff. I want to, to, to thank you very, very much for, for bringing it to us. And congratulations, certainly. Uh, and uh, I just want to thank you for the generosity of the time you've shown me today. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Koros Rezai is Associate Professor of Ophthalmology at the Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, Illinois. His paper, C5 Inhibitor, Avicencaptat Pegol, for geographic atrophy due to age-related macular degeneration, a randomized pivotal phase 2-3 trial, appears in the September 2020 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Rezai or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at onticmind.com. As seen from here is a production of Ontic Mind Incorporated. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.